One of the questions that is first asked when you have a new child is, what's their name? Uh, Names are really important. When people remember your names, it it makes you feel special. It makes you feel really good. When someone greets you, if they come to your doorstep and you say hello and use their name, it's a great blessing to them. Conversely, if uh, you forget someone's name and someone comes to your doorstep or you see someone and should know their name or think you should know their name, it can be embarrassing. And actually, for some people, it can be hurtful if you uh, forget their names. One of the challenges I found when I've gone to a new community to be a curate or to be a vicar, trying to remember everybody's name is is really hard. You guys are very gracious in that, so thank you. Um, I think I'm getting there now after a good few years of being here. But names are really important, aren't they? Uh, Also, uh, names can be associated with certain things as well. So if I say the name Adolf Hitler, you probably think of cruelty, you think of mass murder, all kinds of negative thoughts. But conversely, if I use the word or the name Mother Teresa, you probably have a wonderful image of a woman who sat with the dying, who came alongside those who were destitute and really served God, was a woman who served God and people in an amazing way. Names are really important. Also, for each of us, our names can be really important in terms of our reputation. So if people start dissing us and talking about us in a negative way to other people, we can feel bad about ourselves and it's something we don't like. As we look at the Old Testament, names were also really important. So for Israelites, they would name their children and give them certain names and they had significance in them. And uh, For Ali and I, names were really significant in terms of their meaning. Uh, We also quite liked long names so we could shorten them. And also, the meaning of a name was really important for us as well. So we really wanted to make sure that our names were rooted in the Scriptures so that when our children get older, they have a real um, understanding of their name in the context of a Bible story or a, a Bible character. And this was really important for the Israelites that they're the names they gave, even more so than in our culture, the names they gave, the meanings of them, was of great significance. And also, of course, the Israelites' understanding of God himself, that their understanding and how they uh, called God was really important in terms of who God was, his holiness, his awesomeness. And such was the importance of this, that when they wrote his name, they wrote it with great reverence. So when they wrote the word Yahweh, they used to leave out the vowels in Yahweh because they believed that his name was so holy that you shouldn't write it down in its full uh, order. Also, when they were writing and copying the Old Testament scriptures out, uh, they would use a quill pen, and when they wrote the name of God or Yahweh or whatever name they were using for God, they would throw the quill away because, again, they believed in the importance and the reverence that they needed to show God. The name of God represents the nature of God. To dishonor the name is to dishonour him. Many of you will have seen at some point uh, on the news football hooligans who vandalise and um, cause all kinds of problems. And often when that happens, the team that they support disowns them because they recognise actually that something they're doing can represent the team. And so they separate themselves from what has happened. As one manager said, they're not genuine supporters at all. They simply bring disgrace on our name. Uh, Schools also instruct uh, children on school trips to make sure they behave extra well because if they misbehave 
uh, they will cause disgrace to the school. Those of you who are teachers here may uh, uh, calibrate with that. And uh, we had a teacher friend up a few weeks ago, and they were at the uh, Fleet Air Arm Museum, which is in Somerset. I don't know if any of you have been there, but it's a, a great museum. And uh, we, uh, th- th- this teacher friend of ours was at one end of the, uh, the, 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 the big uh, hangar, and then one of their children was at the other. And all they could see was their child running as fast as they could towards this big, as I understand it, big uh, Second World War inflatable um, that was used, I think, in, uh, to, to help with the landings. It was actually used, I don't know, in the actual landings or whether it's a kind of mock one. But anyway, um, my, our teacher friend, uh, she was like, oh my goodness, what do I do? My child is running towards this inflatable. So she just shouted at the top of her voice the name of the child and said, don't you dare run, run and jump on that as loud as you could. And everyone in the hangar could hear what she was saying and looked around at her. But she was willing to... Um, uh, to, 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 to make a fool of herself, to protect the name of the school. Because you can imagine if that child had jumped on there and burst it or something, um, the reputation that would have given uh, the school. If we're going to be serious with God, we need to respect him. And uh, I love the way that the Holy Spirit is already at work. There's a sense of that already this morning in our worship, that there's been a sense of God's awesomeness and his holiness and, uh, you know, we're, we're a charismatic church, a church that believes in the presence of God. And there can be a danger sometimes when that's the case, that we kind of treat God's presence with familiarity, that we kind of just get used to it. We take it for granted. But we need to realize that we need to respect God's name. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7 says this, Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. We're called to honour and respect the name of God. And so firstly, I just want us to think, before we actually go on to think about how do we honour God's name, I want us to think about how do we actually misuse the name of God. Uh, And so firstly, I want to suggest uh, or talk about when we use God's name to insult. When When do we use God's name to insult and uh, interestingly, if you look at the, uh, one of the editions of the Concise Oxford Dictionary, the first entry under the name Jesus is an ex- exclamation of surprise or dismay. The second entry is the name of the founder of the Christian religion. In other words, Jesus is to be understood first as a common expletive and then as the name of the founder of Christianity. I just think that's really sad that you go to the dictionary and that's the first meaning that you find. But that's perhaps representative of how Jesus' name is so often uh, taken and used in vain. Uh, The word swearing, uh, treating something sacred with abuse, contempt or irreverence, um, we have become numb just to how often and indiscriminately God's name is taken in vain. I don't know how many times you've heard the phrase, oh my God, or my Lord. And all these are used as exclamations or as expressions of surprise. But nonetheless, we hear them time and time again. And it's very easy, isn't it, for us to become desensitized to this. I don't know if you find yourself sometimes, oh, it's just, it's just another phrase or another word. Um, I remember a time in my life where actually it really cut, it really cut deep in my heart that actually to hear... The name of my Lord, my Jesus, who I love, to hear his name taken in that way. And still when I hear it, there's something that jars in me. Um, and, and it's just not okay. You know, we, it should jar in us because actually 
It's an expression and it's a way that is dishonoring to God. You know, the media casually uses terms such as uh, God damn it or Jesus Christ. But as followers of Jesus, this just isn't okay. And so, you know, we need to recognize that in ourselves. You know, it's very easy, isn't it, for us to get into patterns. You know, I'll say myself that sometimes you're around someone and they use a phrase lots and lots. And it's really hard not to use it yourself because it kind of gets into your brain, doesn't it? Um, But actually, as followers of Christ, we need to live in a different way. You know, my wife's name is Ali, and I love Ali very much. But if uh, people, if you guys started saying, using Ali as a cuss word, I'd have big words with you. I'd have strong words with you, so watch out. No, I'm sure none of you would do that. Uh, but, but just that sense, actually, for loved ones, we honor their name. We love their name, and it's the same for God as well. So what is being said when God's name is used this way? Because actually many people use these phrases without actually really thinking about what they're saying, you know, just to be, just to be fair to them. They're, they're not saying it because they're deliberately seeking to diss God. Um, but what is actually being said under the surface? Well, um, secondly, a question to consider. By saying this, are we, di- are we blaming God for something that he didn't cause? You know, I think we're very quick, aren't we, to blame God when things go uh, badly, when things are difficult, When things go really well, we say, oh, well, that was lucky, wasn't it? And so there's this kind of disjuncture between giving God the credit for when things go well uh, and and then when things go badly, blaming him for those things. And actually, we're called to give God credit uh, when things go go well. And God is good. He's got our best intentions in mind. And uh, it's interestingly in Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is a passage that comes just after the giving of the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy. So the Ten Commandments appear twice in the Old Testament, firstly um, in uh, Exodus and then secondly in Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Bible. So you've got Genesis, Exodus, which is where we're taking the Ten uh, Ten Commandments from. Then you've got Leviticus, then you've got Numbers, then you've got Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy 5, there's the giving of the law and there's the giving of the Ten Commandments. And then in chapter 6, we read this. And there's a really interesting dimension here to not forgetting God's blessing on us when we come into the land of prosperity. So listen to this. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then When you eat and are satisfied, and here comes the instruction, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You know, it's so easy to cry out to God when we're struggling, but are we giving thanks to God and blessing his name in those times of blessings? You know, when things go really well, when your child does well at school or when you uh, have a a really great uh, day at work, do you say, thank you, God? Thank you, God, for your provision. Thank you for the ways in which you have blessed me. And of course, when things are difficult, when we're in bad situations, of course we bring those to God. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's just having a balance here that we make sure that we also give honor to God in the good things that he does for us. Are we giving God adequate credit for all he has done and is doing? Uh, A NASA director was explaining to a reporter how a module would land on Mars. 
the reporter asked how the module would return to Earth. The uh, director responded, that involves a highly complex plan. And he said, it begins with the words, our Father who art in heaven. And I love that. Despite the complexity, despite all the planning, uh, the director realised there was a lot of unknown. And really, in that unknown, we cry out to God and say, God, break in. Bring your kingdom. Bring your love. And we recognise in that unknown when things work out. I, I mean, I'm always amazed in my own life that there's so many possibilities of things not working out quite how we think they should. And they don't always. But when they work out and do even better than you think, wow, you think God is behind this. Let's give God the credit for this. So how do we, use God's, uh, how do we misuse God's name? Firstly, we can uh, use God's name to insult Secondly, um, don't use God's name to intimidate. Don't use God's name to intimidate. And I think this is particularly important for us as Christians, as followers of Christ. Sometimes we can misuse uh, the name of God uh, to back up our own agendas or what we want to do. That, and that's imp- just as important for church leaders as well, that as they seek to lead churches and bring God's vision. So this is a challenge to myself that actually... When I think I've, uh, since I hear God's voice, that I make sure that I challenge it, that I discern, is this really what God is saying? We can't just play the God card to back up our plan or our agenda. And that goes for all of us. And we look throughout the ages, don't we, and see many times how God's name has been misused in this way. Think about the Crusades, you know, all that killing, all those wars in the name of God, of saying, you know, we need to establish God's kingdom here we think about slavery in America, uh, the Nazi agenda in Germany, apartheid in South Africa, all had uh, elements of people saying, well, I believe God has called me to do this. And so we need to make sure that we don't use the God card as we seek to move forward the plans that we're taking forward. You know, at St. James, we really do believe, don't we, that God speaks today. It's something we really emphasise strongly here at St. James. We have our times of prayer ministry. Um, A group of people before the service really seek to listen to God. And this is really important, that we are a church that listens to and hears uh, the voice of God. And actually in our prayer ministry, what we're seeking to do is have a space of both encounter and transformation, a place where people can come and experience God's presence Uh, But as well as experiencing his presence, experiencing also his transformation. Because we believe in a God who doesn't just grace us with his presence, but he also changes us and makes us more like him. And also as we become more like him and we step out into the situations we're in, we bring his transformation to other people as well. And a large part of that is God speaking to us and revealing himself. So we're a church that really believes in God speaking to us. Yet, we must be careful in this as well. And I want to counsel all of us that as we talk about God speaking to us, that we offer it in humility. We don't say, I've had a vision from God up on the mountain and thus saith the Lord to you, go and do such and such. But rather, let's come in humility. Let's share what God has said to us in humility, saying, you know, I just, I was praying and I just just sensed God may have been saying this and I just offer this to you. You know, test it, think about, you know, is this what God is saying? But I offer this to you, I give this to you. Let's, let's be humble in the way we talk about God speaking to us. Because sometimes we get it wrong. I know I've got it wrong before. 
And so it's just having that humility so that when we do get, get it wrong, we're not laying so much emphasis on what we've heard. Um, the Apostle Paul models this because in his letters, much of it is written um, and is inspired by God. But there are times in his letters where he says, I am not saying this, these are my own words. And he's very clear and distinguishes between what he's saying and what God's saying. And so again, here's something for us to learn, not only to offer when we sense God has said something in humility, uh, but also that when we sense something, and we know it's not really from God, it's our own kind of impression or heart feeling, our own emotion maybe, that we offer it. There's nothing wrong with offering it, but we offer it as something from us and not something we sense is directly from the Holy Spirit. And that's really, really important because I think sometimes we can get carried away uh, with our own thinking, our emotions, and we can bring something that is really important but actually isn't directly from God. It's not God's voice speaking. It's about us sharing something. So let's try and distinguish with that. In society, when you take someone else's name and you use it for your own purpose, that is called forgery or plagiarism, we need to be careful not to practice spiritual forgery or spiritual plagiarism. And so, just finally on this bit, just thinking about the Bible as well, how we interpret the Bible, that when we come to the Scriptures, we don't just read a verse and think, oh, this is what it's saying. We need to understand it in the wider framework of the passage of Scripture and the wider framework of the book of the Bible reading and then the wider framework of Scripture as a whole so that when we're bringing something to someone, it's actually rooted in what the Bible is really saying. You know, time and time again, again, I hear that people are using Scripture to back up their own agenda. And there's much of this in the wider church at the moment, trying to back up certain agendas and certain ways of thinking that just aren't in the Scriptures. And so we need to be really careful that we test what we say and what we think by what Scripture is really saying, not just what we think we would like it to say. So that's enough about how we, uh, how we um, don't misuse God's name to insult or to intimidate. Now I want us to think uh, briefly about how do we take God seriously? How do we take God seriously? Well, the first point is that we need to be selective with our words. We need to be selective with our words. As we read a few weeks ago from uh, the book of James, we read, Be quick to listen, slow to speak. And slow to become angry. Let's not just rush in with our words. Let's use our words carefully. Let's be full of integrity when we are using our words. You know, we rarely think, do we, of the origin of the slang we use. But uh, historians have looked into it. And um, it's interesting. I mean, this one's obvious. Uh, the, the expression, damn it, is, a, is an abbreviation of damnation. Do we really want to speak damnation on people? Um, uh, historians tell us that the, the word God became golly by gum and gosh. Um, Jesus Christ became for crying out loud. And so let's decide today not to take God's name in vain. Let's honour God and honour his name. Let's not use it in a disrespectful way. So let's be selective in our words. Secondly, let's be sincere in our actions <coughs> I don't know if any of you remember the, uh, the Christian rock band Petra. Um, I think it was the, 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 the 80s. I don't remember. I remember my mum playing them when, uh, when I was growing up. And uh, I think they had like massive long black hair. And yeah, it was all crazy. But there you go. But there was, there was, a, there was a phrase and a lyric um, 
in, in one of their songs that really stuck with me over the years, and it was too much talk and not enough walk. Too much talk and not enough walk. And uh, most of us know the talk, don't we? We know the Christian language. We know how to speak about God. We know how to say the right thing in the right way. Uh, but the real crunch comes when we're walking. Are we living the way of God? Titus 1.16 says, People claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. Are our beliefs consistent with our actions? Do our actions back up our beliefs? Let me ask you a question. If you were arrested today for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? quite humorous on one level but also quite sobering and I just think you know challenge to me would I is there enough evidence to convict me to put me behind bars on that basis Um, Jesus said in Matthew 7 21 not all people who sound religious are really good they may refer to me as Lord but they still won't enter the kingdom of heaven the decisive issue is whether they obey my father in heaven so do we want to take God seriously If we do, we need to be selective with our words and we need to be sincere in our actions. But as every week, we move from this kind of understanding of the law, the understanding of the command, and moving to Jesus. Because actually Jesus is the one in powers. He's the one that gives us the grace. And so what's the significance of Jesus' name? What does he uh, teach us? What does he show us? Well, firstly, to say Jesus is the one who forgives all our sins. He's the one who wipes away our guilt. He heals our hearts and our deepest hurts. He restores our dignity. What does the word Jesus mean? Does anyone know? It means saviour. Same as uh, Joshua in the Old Testament. The name for Jesus means saviour, the one who saves. There is power in the name of Jesus you know, one day at the name of Jesus, every knee, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. John 20 verse 31 says, But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You know, salvation, we read in Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. And this promise is a conditional one. It basically says that if we call on the name of Jesus, we will be saved. Have you called on the name of Jesus? Have you accepted him into your life? If not, please do. Please receive his invitation. When a person receives Jesus Christ as saviour, their name becomes eternal. It is written down in the book of life. You know, we're talking early on, weren't we, about um, the names that we have and our reputations. How would you like your name to go down for eternity? Well, if we're identified with Christ, that's exactly what happens. I recognize for each one of us that we may have limited ourselves in our names, that we may have limited what God can do in us and through us. Maybe... We've got scars from our past of what people called us. That They did not call us by our true name, but they called us by another name. Maybe 
we've underestimated what God can do in our lives by his name, by the power of his name. And this morning I want to invite us to respond to a couple of things. Um, Firstly, I want to invite us to respond to the challenge, are we misusing God's name? Are the ways we've misused his name? Uh, And secondly, I want to invite us to respond to the call. You know, this morning, do you feel like you've limited what God can do in your life? Is his name powerful enough to change you, to break down those walls, to break those chains? Jesus wants to change us. He wants to transform us.